しめをかけて燃える街にあとわずか届く叫びを耳にして帰ってきたぞ帰ってきたぞI thought you were going to say Saburo. I think Saburo maybe taught him a thing or two as well.、Uh, I think he's、uh, just learning it from society. Yeah.、Uh, coming up this week,、um, we have uh, <laughs> uh, Kishida's completely unjustifiable doubt.、Um, we have,、uh, which I'll get to. I will, you will see. I have noted two incidents of Gishida being a hater for literally no fucking reason.、Um, we have got my realization that there's a map in the background at the map base under the logo.、Um, and we have got、uh, the entirety of Japan having its radio turned off except for one kid. Yeah. All, all of that is to come.、Uh, before we get into that, I have done two things. One, one thing of, of note is I finished all of Armored Core 6. I did the new, G, the new Game Plus stuff. I did、Yay. all of it. Yay! How are you、um, feeling about it?、Uh, really good.、Uh, nice. Really good game.、Um, I, very, I very, very、it. good video game. I need to wrap that shit up and join you in full completion land.、Um, it's, ve- it's, ve- it's very funny that I was such. I'm, I, I'm, like, I'm like such a weird kind of doubter about the direction that it went compared to what I, would, I wanted from Armored Core. And then,、um, it, you know, I just. It made me play through, through it three times. And I was just like, yeah, okay, I get it. I just, <laughs> yeah, all right. You're right. It is good. <laughs> This is just like, like, this is just like the most like game trying to convince me it's good. And it's like, yes, you have convinced me. Well done. You're a good video game.、Um, big fan of Armored Core 6.、Uh, 
um, still, uh, I, the, a multiple, like, shoulder, I was, like, towards the end, I was cycling through a few different options in terms of, like, because I was always, like, I like to be dual-wielding either the pistols or the fucking Zimmermans, um, and, um, then I was, like, it was about, like, balancing that with, um, my weight with shoulder stuff, depending on the situation. Um, I, I, I quite liked having double shotguns and then also having, like, double Gatling guns on my shoulders for anything outside of 10 meters away from me. <laughs> did, uh, did I tell you about me and my friend Johnson's uh, M-Bahn team name that we signed up for uh, Frosty Faustine's M-Bahn side tournament with? You might have done, but I have forgotten if you have. We... We uh we were like what's what's a good name and then we settled on dual Zimmermans. <laughs> nice, nice. That is a great. That's a great yes. <laughs> dual Zimmerman. That's dual Zimmermans is living. That's life itself. <laughs> Shame about the nerf, but you know, it, honestly, probably for the best. But probably for the best, still kills it. <laughs> Shame, Shame about the nerf. Me when I'm getting to a curry. <laughs> yes. Um. I also watched, uh, there was a brand new, um, uh, very serious real robot anime, uh, that came out directed by Obari, don't know who that is, um, uh, called, uh, Bang Brave, Bang Bravern. Uh, I think it's called, uh, Bang Bravern. Uh, yes, uh, it's, um. According to the localizers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, to, according to me, it's called, uh, uh, bang, 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 ba, 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 bang, Braven. Um, <laughs> various combinations of that. Braven, Braven, bang, 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 Braven. Um, that would be fucking rips. <laughs> um, Braven's fucking cool as shit. What a great anime. Um, we Don't are say so... too much, because I do want to watch this. Well, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm stopping... Right, I'm just saying, the anime fucking rules. Everyone immediately go watch the first two episodes of Braver. Right now, the first episode, uh, good. Uh, the second episode, very important. Very important that you watch the second episode of Braver. Yeah, I, I keep hearing that the second episode is, like, a big thing, and I, I don't know what's going on, and I'm very excited, because I literally know nothing about this show going into it, except, like, kind you know kind of creator's previous stuff so uh it's so good <laughs> i yeah um anime of the year uh <laughs> anime of 2024 you heard it here first um it's january anime of the year um, <laughs> yeah. uh very good very very big fan and i can't say anything about it um all right that's me i'm like done because you know i've i have Funnily enough, I have not finished Pillars of Eternity since I started, like, last week. Yeah, the audacity. Um, well, so, as you two may be aware, my sleep schedule was a little off at the start of this week. Um, and I spent a large part of the week getting that back to normal. Um... We recorded the last batch of our podcast, by the way, after I had not slept for, I think it was about 24 hours. Um, and then later at 5 a.m. the following morning, uh, my time, 
Red was like, oh, I got done editing the podcast early. And then I started typing and they immediately replied, why are you awake in all caps? Uh, I did get a five hour nap in between then and, and me sending those messages. But I was alarmed. Is... I was very alarmed. <laughs> I was what the fuck are you doing? Um, so here's the genuine problem, too, is that I... I was I fully intended to sleep as soon as we were done with those podcasts because I was pretty exhausted. And then my friend was like, oh, Tech and World Tour, top eight starting. And I was like, oh, I'm fucking not going to not watch Tech and World Tour top eight for the final Tech and seven uh, tournament that they're they're going to do before eight releases. Uh, so then I watched that and then I immediately crashed and went to bed for like five hours and then woke up and I was like, ah, fuck, it's like two in the morning. What the fuck am I doing? Uh, so I, I figured out getting my sleep schedule back to normal while also navigating work stuff. So didn't really have a ton going on this week. Uh, I streamed Tekken 6's awful beat-em-up story mode, uh, and Tekken 7's less awful but still kind of weird story mode. Um, and, uh, that was, that was most of my time, but then I did sneak out a trip to the movie theater to go see the first uh, Gurren Lagann compilation movie, Childhood en uh, Childhood's End. Um, that was a compilation movie. Mm -hmm. Why is that movie named after an Arthur C. Clarke novel? I, I, I really don't think they, they spent too much time thinking about why they do that, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, it it's not great. Just like the... That's first of all, that story does not condense well. Um, there's some cool new animation and like new insert songs and stuff like that. And that's like neat or whatever. But outside of that, it's just a very horrendously put together version of that story. Um, I, I had a friend who I think saw it for the first time. Uh, who, you know, pretty big fan of the TV series or whatever. And was like, I was kind of impressed when... I guess I won't spoil it, but I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar, but I'm not, I'll be, I'll err on the side of caution, but there's a big death that happens early on in Gurn Lagan, uh, and he was like, I can't believe that they made, they crafted a compilation movie in a way that when that death happens, it's like, okay, but why do I, why should I care about that guy? <laughs> um, and honestly, yeah, well, it, it's... A lot of the emotional beats really fall flat because it's just like it, they're relying so hard on you having seen the TV show and you're going to see this thing as like, oh, it's like the thing I like, but slightly reanimated and all put together into one movie. Um, and I, I genuinely feel that's what a lot of compilation movies are. I don't actually think they are meant to stand alone and catch like a new audience uh, to, to be viewed in the theater. I think that's maybe what they started out as. Realistically, I genuinely think a lot of them made after, like, a certain point in anime history are just there as, like, a victory lap for, hey, we made, we made a slightly cleaner animated, like, highlight reel of scenes people really like. Uh, yeah, to get... like a new translation. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, well, Tomino claims <laughs> that that's fucking <laughs> trying to get new people in. That's ridiculous. Um... But yeah, it's, uh, it was, I'm not, like, mad I saw it in theaters. Um, okay, it was kind of weird, though. Uh, they didn't turn the lights off until halfway through, but I also, I mean, I could have probably went back and, like, said, like, hey, like, the lights are still on. I didn't care enough to. <laughs> so I watched half of Gurren got in a theater with the lights on, and then suddenly was, halfway that through, was, that was they me turned with it the, off. That was me with The Rise of Skywalker, which really, <laughs> I, you know, is... Uh, 
I was genuinely sat there, like, I went with my, like, family, and, uh, my, my dad was like, someone, someone should go tell them that, you know, they should turn the lights off, and I was sat there watching the movie on the screen, and I was like, I'm not for this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a piece of shit. Uh, Anyway. Um... Did you watch any better movies this week? Um, I watched... So, Mel and I watched Gorath. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? I still think it's better than Battle in Outer Space. Yeah. I think it is more entertaining, at least. I think it's okay. Uh, for an hour, it's kind of boring. And it's like, this is a lot of science dumb bullshit about... Uh, Oh, you want some sciencey dumb bullshit? Well, <laughs> listen, we got okay. the movie for you. Oh, is this Ichi no Tani the movie? Kind of, kind of. So, Red. Yes, that's me. What if? What if? So, oh, first of all, I should state I went into this movie thinking that Gorath was the name of a kaiju. I should preface: I did not know what this movie was about. <laughs> so, to my surprise, Gorath is in fact a star. That is hurtling towards Earth. Oh, uh, what uh, would you do in this situation? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing in this situation, tweets? Ba- basically, we get the first ten minutes of this movie are these people out on the scientific space expedition to check out this star, and they realize, wait a minute, this thing is smaller than Earth, but its mass is ridiculous. And they they suddenly are like, we are being pulled into the star's gravity. We are going to die, but it is... It, it is integral that the crew, all of us need to stay here and do our jobs and provide as much information back home uh, for the people on Earth as we can so that they can save our beloved planet. And the now, crew now, decide... Before, before you continue, I want to just say, this at the minute sounds like as sick, if not sicker than, like, I would say Godzilla. So, pl- so now, now please continue. Uh, everyone decides to do their jobs, but not before giving one heroic cheer of hurrah, as the subtitles say. But if you're listening with your ears, can clearly hear Banzai! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. I, mean, that, I mean, that's, that's like, uh, that's like, is, is, is that like a purely imperial thing? I, is that? I, Isn't that just like long live? I think the well is poisoned, even if it's not. I think it maybe. I I genuinely just don't know, but like the like oh the no, things, this the, is this is saying it's just a well okay. It does say war cry, so I'm not sure, but I would I'm I guess I would have to look into it. Yeah, I I'm not entirely sure. The only thing I've seen here on the English side of the internet, which again, we have to take the grain of salt is exclusively relating it to like Imperial war charges. But, um, that was, uh, that was a a tone setter. But, um, we then cut to a lot of really boring scenes of people talking about, well, there's a star hurtling towards earth. Um, E-Day's just around, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Um, now... is also around, but he's in, like, most of his movies. Yeah. Now, the plan, Nathan Fielder voice, (laughs) is we 
we attach a bunch of rockets to the South Pole and just push Earth somewhere else. Hell yeah. I <laughs> the the entire like they sent an expedition crew to go I don't know, do something to Gorath, I guess. I think also th- I think they literally are like, we should go fly another ship full of people by it to like get more info. But I'd be like, that the first one did not go well. I don't yeah, know why you're like, doing this again. They are Mm-hmm. It's really stupid. Here's <laughs> the thing. I mean, th- uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a Chinese uh, sci-fi movie that I think is based on a novel uh, that is about this. That is about uh, Earth. Uh, the sun is. Uh, we're drifting out of like we get we're getting too cold. The Earth is is drifting out of the ideal orbit of the sun. Is getting too cold, and uh, the sun is the sun is dying. And so we're gonna put rockets on the Earth and pilot it. Um, <laughs> to a like a different solar system. <laughs> um, they uh, there's this weird subplot of like, I guess maybe the main character. I don't know. This movie jumps around a lot. Uh, there's an astronaut guy who's talking with this one woman who lost her husband in that first space expedition. Wasn't it her dad? Wait, was it? Was that it? I think so. Oh shit! I thought, shit! I thought that was a love. And never mind. You know what? You might be right. But uh, there's an unhinged scene of this guy being like, "Oh yeah, we're in a relationship, right?" And she's like, "I'm mourning right now." And then this heroic astronaut man takes the the portrait of the man she's mourning and then tosses it out the apartment balcony. <laughs> he does this after giving her a gift, a really expensive gift, and is like, "Yeah, I might not see you ever, so I'm giving you this gift." <laughs> You might you might be mourning me next, <laughs> but I will throw out your dad's photo. Yes, yeah. Um, and then he gets amnesia. He gets amnesia through some weird space. Like he has to go out of the spaceship or something. I can't remember exactly what happens. I'm gonna be honest. Halfway through this movie, I was not giving it my full attention. Um, but he. <sighs> He gets amnesia through some contrived reason, and then when they get back on Earth, they're like, oh, well, we thought seeing your love interest would jog your memory. And he's like, I, I, I'm going to be, I, I don't know. It's, it's not working. <laughs> um, oh. uh, but Return of Ultraman logic, as soon as the calamity is, is done, he does get his memory back. Don't, don't you worry. Um, so, now, Red, mm-hmm. what if I told you that when you put a bunch of rockets on the South Pole, it gets really hot? This okay. might un- this might unfreeze or annoy. The the movie gives us multiple versions of why this might happen. It might unfreeze or annoy a giant fucking walrus <laughs> that then decides to attack the rockets. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Total of origins. And you get this scene of these three like scientists like authority figure men that are flying around in this fucking spaceship shooting lasers at this walrus, and they're like, we don't like. The walrus didn't do anything wrong. Like, we kind of are being the assholes here by putting the rockets here because we want to save the Earth. But, like, we can't let the walrus destroy the rockets. So, like, is there anything we can do? We don't want to kill this thing. And they kind of, like, you know, hum and haw about it or whatever, shoot some lasers at it. Uh, At some point, they dismount and, like, try to check it out on foot. And they're like, okay, bad idea. This walrus is pissed off. And then they just shoot it. And then they look on kind of sad at the walrus's overturned, burnt corpse. Um... 
and then they move the planet out of the way of the giant fucking star. There's some scenes of, like, gravity getting thrown out of whack because of the star's gravitational pull. The moon blows up. Yeah, the moon does explode. Or get sucked in. <laughs> Damn. Um, it needs to be said, the state of the world is not good after the end of this movie, scientifically. No, like, but they're also kind of casual about it. Yeah, like, <laughs> they think it's all good, but, like, you melted Antarctica, and also the moon is gone. The Earth is not in a good position. <laughs> and, like, the movie ends with two dudes having a conversation, like, yeah, we should probably get started on, like, putting those rockets on the North Pole so we can move Earth back to where it was. <laughs> it just kind of ends. They're like, it's like, thanks to the United Nations, humanity was able to cooperate. <laughs> Yeah, there's some weird message at the end, like, listen, we just simply put aside our differences so that we could all not die. Why can't we do this more often? Question mark. Uh, silly movie. Very silly movie, Honda. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we did it. We finally passed the first artificially defined by the Godzilla wiki era of Godzilla movies. I, you cannot ever i think recapture the feelings i had watching this fucking movie this week where i was going into it thinking oh gorath is some fucking weird like bootleg kaiju godzilla thing that like i'm sure shows up again in some spinoff but is mostly forgotten and then it's like oh this isn't a kaiju movie at all only for the 11th hour giant fucking walrus shows up <laughs> oh hell yeah walrus time yeah, uh, yeah, that's all like, I had. They Ma they definitely reuse that suit for Total Rock. Oh, 100%. There's um, a point where it's flopping around and you can just see the guy's leg, like, poking through the suit. It's so fucking funny. Or it's like, that is a man's leg in that walrus's side. <laughs> well, Gorath sounds fucking wild. Yeah. Mel, did you have anything else this week? Uh did i just remind myself what it was because i was trying to what the fuck's going on here yeah okay yeah i there was something i almost finished but i didn't so i'll get to that next week uh okay i did finish tales of symphonia though how was tales of symphonia in the end i i thought it was really good uh excellent i won't go into crazy xeno saga depth of this one because it's already a game i've drip fed before, but I do want to talk about a bit, like, the on-the-whole mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I'm gonna link you guys. What are we getting linked? What are we getting sent? The, the OP. Here. Here's the OP. You can watch. Let's talk. But yeah. Uh, okay. Finished my first Tales of game to completion. Uh, I've tried others in the past, but you know, this is the first one I've beaten. Mm -hmm. uh, really got my hooks in me more than I thought. Uh, I really like the cast. Like protagonist Lloyd, who's like, you know, the typical good hearted hero who's a bit book dumb. Mm -hmm. Is he money smart? Who can say? <laughs> uh, uh, but he's emotionally smart where it matters which i think makes him a good hero uh key moment that sold me on him 
uh, is when he gets a training scene with Kratos, and Kratos is like, Kratos is another member of the party, who's like, cool older guy, warrior guy, and Kratos is like, uh, hey, so why do you use two swords anyway? And Lloyd, speaking with all the confidence of a 17-year-old, says, uh, well, if one sword makes you strong, then two swords make you double strong. Uh, Damn. <laughs> just... So and true. Kratos, and then Kratos Talk replies, shit, uh, Kirito. Me... Uh, Kratos uh, says, uh, that means you need to get, get good twice as hard. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um... Uh, the main the main female lead is Colette, who is the Yuna of this game, because this game does follow the plot of FF10 FF10 for a bit until it becomes something else. When it kind of becomes Xenogears? Question uh, mark. Mm-hmm. Voiced by Nana Mizuki. Hell yeah, she's got a good arc. She's got a good arc. She's like the really kind hearted hero when uh, self sacrificing has an arc about like how the journey to like save the world also comes at a cost uh including bodily changes question mark oh it it was it was uh, nana mizuki's birthday yesterday happy birthday nana mizuki happy birthday oh. nana mizuki yeah happy birthday did good... you get did you get the iconic scene of oh the cup's hot just kidding it's yes. cold just kidding it's hot yeah i have uh, heard that scene makes a lot of sense in context yeah, yeah. so that yeah. scene i found out after the fact is a meme but it's definitely like double o energy where like if you watch it in context it's like emotionally yeah it makes sense in context is also like emotionally devastating because like the context is that uh earlier the day she trips and gets a nasty cut and just shrugs it off and so lloyd gives her like gaslights her with a coffee and it confronts her it's like hey something is wrong with you why don't you talk to us uh, and it's you know that's like why Lloyd is I see good protagonist I see uh, uh, and then you have like rounding out you got like Lloyd's best friend Genius uh, I love to be named his Genius older, yeah <laughs> and his a uh, older sister Rain who apparently in Japan's called Refill because she's the healer uh, that's my sister <laughs> I call uh, his motherfucker's named Refill turns out the fucking <laughs> The fucking um the, the get takes like a takes like a quiz. What what career are you gonna have? Writes in. What is your name? Refill. So I uh, sorry. You're gonna be a. You're gonna be like white mage. You're gonna be a healer. Is is uh, refill the employee that got in uh, trouble at Panera for uh, topping off those charged no. lemonades and killing those people? <laughs> uh yeah. So basically, the four of them. Uh, along with Kratos, uh, he's the guy with the red hair in the OP. Uh, okay. Not the not like the dark red hair, the purple guy, the one who's like ominous. Mm-hmm. Um, they go on a journey, and then like as I alluded to before, uh, the Tower of Plot happens, and then the game changes. Where like there's a ninja girl named Sheena, and she's like, "Hey, I'm from a different place." Uh, and then you go to that place, and that's when you meet the other guys. Uh, like, because then you have, like, the other red-haired guy, Zelos, uh, who plays identically to Kratos in terms of his gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, like, the other chosen guy. Uh, if we're making FF10 comparisons, he's, like, the Waka of the game, because he's just be like, yeah, uh, in this place... Because... I'll loop around back to this. Uh, yeah, I already talked about, like, Presia, and uh, we definitely talked about Regal before, but they're, like, the last guys you get. Uh, and... The thing is, like, yet, like, the difference between the two settings is that 
uh, in the first setting, uh, the world is being terrorized by the Desayan Empire, which is an empire of half-elf supremacists. Uh, half-elf supremacists? Yeah, and then the other half, the other world. Uh, so the first setting is called Silverant, and the second one is Tethalia. And in Tethalia, uh, half-elves have no rights. Uh, and then you find out that the theme of the game is racism. <laughs> uh, I... I have a question for Tales of Symphonia. Um, how does the half-elf supremacist society plan on sustaining its half-elfness? What's the what's the plan there? Yeah, so I think the game does some things well, and I think some missteps. <laughs> So, to begin the first setting, <laughs> the designs have human ranches, uh, oh. <laughs> which are basically human concentration camps. <laughs> thank then, you, thank you for have... answering my question, half-elf <laughs> 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 supremacists. Uh, I don't appreciate the answer, but uh, I'm, you know, thank you for having one. <laughs> um, and a lot of the first, that part of the game in that world is like, oh, you just go into the concentration camps and blow them up and liberate people inside, and it's pretty sick. That does sound um, cool. Yeah. Um, FF7 beginning energy. Yeah, and it's like, that's basically like the law of the that part of the game. Uh, but also there's like confronting the fact that there's like a case system in Tethalia and like Zelos, the chosen one, is very upfront about the fact that like, hey, I don't feel good about half elves and he doesn't bring it he isn't like as in your face about it about what as waka is uh and he's all, all pretty chill but he is like listen i know you guys are cool but like you do have to understand i was raised in a society that's racist towards you <laughs> uh, and also he does hate people which is also funny uh he has a he, he's also a womanizer uh he has a special skill where if you talk to women npcs in the game uh they give you free stuff which is funny <laughs> Damn. Um. And yeah, so things basically go from there, where they're like, "Well, this system sucks. We got to do a thing where we like save the two worlds from the shit that's fucking them up." Uh, because the the word the current the previous wave was like a zero something. Uh, and then meanwhile, the, the villain whose name is Yggdrasil. Uh, oh, he's can like anyone tell me? Like, can anyone point me to a JRPG that contains <laughs> uh completely? Um but yeah, it is kind of silly the way they try and kind of make him sympathetic because he's like a half elf and like his goal is the one anime plot as the cure to racism and war. <laughs> I see. Uh reduce oh no individualism kind of thing. Uh and then all the heroes point out to him is like, dude, what about the war and racism you guys have been doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I think that's where it fumbles because I think by trying to make him sympathetic mm -hmm. and like it leads into sort of a racism is half goes both ways thing, which isn't oh. pretty liberal, but also like I think to the game's credit, there's also the fact that like the protagonists themselves on top of, you know, liberating concentration camps they themselves are like oh yeah racism is not an individualized thing it's like a societal like institutional power structure that needs to be dispensed through common understanding uh and community and so you know, that's where i think it's a bit better about this stuff it, it's, it's kind of like you know 
it is a liberal game, obviously, so that's where the you know, yeah. mixed bag. But I think it, it, in some ways it's better than most, and other times it falls into like the pitfalls you'd expect. Thank you, Tales of Symphonia, for ending racism. <laughs> True. Yeah. Apparently, this isn't even the only Tales of game about racism, which is also really funny to me. Is the now uh, is the new one the one about slavery? Is that one about yes. racism? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but there are but... other ones beside that. <laughs> Yeah, I know but, that. I know see, that one's about slavery, but is it also about? Is it also about, it's also about, about racism, racism? Derogatory. I see. I see. Cool. I. Um, it's. I. Tales has been this thing in my periphery forever, and part of this is because like my immediate group of friends, like a bunch of people that are like, I think they call themselves Tales fans, but there are a lot of people that are like very critical of the series as well would be like it's kind of like a lot of them treat it almost as a guilty pleasure or like i've been playing them since i'm a kid since i've been a kid and i can't really stop because i'm too invested now sort of thing um and like the way i've always heard tales described is it's like there are ones that are really good and then there's ones where it's like oh you're you're like you're halfway there but like it sounds like it often narratively stumbles in this sort of way, which has been very funny for me to, like, kind of pick up on through osmosis through the years. Yeah, and, like, also overall, I feel like there's, I want to say, tentatively a new favorite of mine. Uh, but also I have other games in the series I'm going to play, and I'm, like, very, I'm very hyperfixation moded right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I I do think it's, like, a case of this greater than some of his parts, because I feel like if you, like, mm-hmm. wrote the plot down on paper, you say, well, what is this? It's nothing special. But I think, like, like, like Brad mentioned a few weeks back, like, things like the skits and the character interactions and just the character writing really elevate the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's really good stuff. I won't spoil too much about it, but there's, like, really good stuff about, like, where the plot goes with Lloyd and Kratos. Um... And just, yeah, I like, I like, I have critiques about, like, the villain and how it ties into the themes, but overall, I think as it was a really enjoyable time. Nice. And, like, you know, it really pulled me in, in a way things did. I really like the battle system of the series. Um, it's, like, you know, interesting. It's, like, it's like a fighting game, and it's really unique from that regard. Uh, the way it, like, it's the first, so this is the fifth Tales of game uh, released in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, significantly less of those games are released over here. Uh, and this is the first one in 3D, which makes it interesting. Uh, previously the other ones were 2D, and they worked like fighting in rules. You go like, um, you know, you're on a 2D plane, you walk forward and backwards. This one you have like enemies in the arena, but you're like locked on to like, um. To an mm-hmm. enemy, and yeah, and you can't you can't do three D movement in an arena and without like switching targets, which is interesting. Okay. Um, you don't unlock uh so it's a no free run until uh a later entry. I um, am so curious how I feel about the combat in these games when I get deeper in because I remember you said like you have friends that are very like deep in the like advanced tech for like this yeah. generation of it and then like the later ones they felt like kind of were a step back right yeah like um so paraphrasing some of my friends like they really like this middle section i'll, I'll send a image i sent brad like in august because like 
there was a period where i was like oh yeah i want to do kids you can do co-op in these games i was trying to get friends to like do co-op with me but obviously trying to do that is very difficult so it didn't go through which is why i ended up just going okay i just gotta play these myself uh but there's like a it's like a diagram i made uh vetted by my friend which is sort of like oh yeah this is how like the production history of the franchise goes where there's like the original team that made tales of fantasia were like making an action rpg but for due to creative differences, left and made Tri-Ace. And then they went on to do Star Ocean. Uh, and then a new team finished off Fantasia. And then made Tales of Destiny. Uh, then Tales of Eternia. And then a new team was made. I think there's like some Qualis Pollination. But a new team made Tales of Symphonia. And then like the 3D games after that. Oh, well, meanwhile, there was a 2D team going like Tales of Destiny, Tales of Rebirth, uh, Remake of Destiny. Uh, and then they did Tales of Graces and at some point after Vesperian Graces the teams got amalgamated into Tales of Zillia and that's sort of like the modern Tales era and that's sort of where the kind of downhill sort of goes I think people still say like the Zillia games are good and have like the good things the Tales have but you also see the sort of trends where they started like dumbing things down and going less for like the unique Tales battle system and more to like a more conventional and bland action rpg system which is also what arise has the the uh, thing i've always been told was that Ve- at least for my old head friends was like vesperia was the one they all kind of agree was like the last big tentpole like this is great one and then graces was like good like good gameplay maybe questionable story and then yeah. zillion is just like wow they just keep putting out seven out of tens <laughs> yeah like, i think that's I, people... the thing is they put out a seven out of ten with a girl who's shadow the hedgehog so i have to play that one one day <laughs> yeah oh um, yeah like graces comes out of like the 2d game lineage so it doesn't come out of the vesperia lineage but like mm-hmm. uh yeah so like yeah so that's the the i don't know how much i'd add to that but yeah it's basically like i'd like to do co-op and there are some super bosses i'd like to do which i eventually i was not leveled enough to do them and i just hit a wall and i was like well i'll get back to them later i um i'm curious how i feel so i at some point in my life i will get back to tales of the abyss uh which i've liked what i've played of quite a lot actually like um the the main couple in that game they introduce it to you like pretty quick and i'm just like they're great both of them i love them yeah. both off the bat um i need to get back to it but uh i haven't gotten like deep enough into really like have any opinions about the combat but because i remember after you had brought up like the stuff about like the gameplay of the series and all that i was like oh you know i've never really i feel like i haven't really gotten my friend group's like thoughts on it and most of them were kind of like yeah we just like no real deep feelings there we kind of just put up with the gameplay and are mostly there for the story and i was like oh okay that's interesting my my (laughs) thing is i because i have a friend who like is really into the combat and like i i've read his like forum posts about like what he likes with combat and his team talked about it i was like even though it was a series i always like i tried to get into before i was into before it was like really me going into it now in the recent period with like for combat reasons and so i was like really getting into the combat for symphonia and also like looking forward to how future games iterate on it uh and like yeah i think it helps to have the mentality of like this is trying to be a fighting game like as the inspiration because it informs a lot of the decisions of how the controls work because like if you are just trying to approach this like why can't i like the way i the movement feels weird compared to a normal action rpg 
if you approach it like a normal action RPG, but if you approach it as like, oh, I move towards and away from the enemy the way I moved towards someone in Street Fighter, then it makes a lot more sense. And so I think, okay. it, helps to have, I think it helps to have that mentality. This is clicking some pieces together in my head between various thoughts and things I've heard. This makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah. And so when you, if you ever like revisit it, one, I'll do co-op if you want to. Uh, uh, and two, um, yeah, just have that in mind. Is there any feasible uh, way for us to do it? would just be RPC SX2, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, well, for Abyss, it's like, yeah. That's the way to do it, because there isn't any ports the way that Symphony and Vesperia have. Uh, um, I mean, honestly, I think can we do the full thing co-op? We could. I'd kind of be down, honestly. <laughs> um, um, this changes some plans of mine. Uh, so... <laughs> Now, like my plan was lo- so here's my here's my serum my past history of tales like years back I was sold pitched tales of the abyss and I ended up spoiling myself on it so I know what kind of what was happening in the game okay. uh, but I try I got on the 3ds and tried to get beat it uh, and got like a couple hours in and tried a few years later and got a few more hours in uh, and then I got Vesperia on the switch before COVID and I got a few hours in that and then I fell off that too uh, and so I was like okay. My friend recommends starting with Symphonia because, like, the good middle point between 2D entries and 3D entries is, like, the first one. Because, you know, it's the first 3D game, so, yeah, it's, like, 3D sensibilities, but it doesn't have free run, so you don't using it as a crutch, and so, like... Ain't that the elf girl who's real popular right now? Yeah. I made that joke earlier in this podcast. Oh, (laughs) Oh, shit, did you? No! (laughs) Listen back to it. No! (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... So the next game after so there's two teams, Team Destiny, which is like the 2D games, and then Team Symphonia, which is the 3D games. And so I'm like, the plan is to do Tales of Symphonia, then the next game Team Symphonia did, which is Tales of the Abyss, and then followed by Tales of Vesperia, because those ones like in like the this like there's like a lineage there uh, by the same team iterating on their designs. Uh, and then after that, I'm gonna figure out what I do based on like what's seems cool what is available in english because there are some things are not released in english yet and they have franchisations in progress uh my my tales history is i seven hours into the 3ds version of abyss and then dropped it but i yeah. for some fucking reason beat tales of the tempest which is the really horrible yes i have a funny story about that uh <laughs> apparently the game was so reviled so tales has a, a they, they kind of changed this, but uh, the, for a while, Tales had a system where they labeled some games Mothership titles and others Escort titles. And they, and, they revoked the Mothership yeah, status yeah, the mo- of that one, right? Yeah, yeah. the, mother- <laughs> yeah, the mothership, mothership is the main line and the other one's a spinoff. And yeah, they revoked, they downgraded Tempest to a spinoff because it was so bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is really funny. Yeah, um, also should be noted that the fan translation for that game came out on April Fool's Day, and the translator was like, if any of y'all want to play this piece of shit, it's like 10 to 15 hours, it's real bad, but here it is if anyone yeah. fucking wants it. And I was I've like, heard, yeah, sure, why not? I've, and heard yeah, it's the not other, I've heard the other DS entries, um, Innocence and Hearts, are better, but also their Vita versions are superior to their DS versions. Yes, and I also, so like Hearts got an official translation on the Vita, but also yeah. apparently it's like kind of dubious quality which is unfortunate yeah i mean i think there's some people have differences because like the hearts ds is like a 2d game and then hearts vita changes the gameplay to be more 3d which is interesting Mm -hmm. but yeah um what i was going to say is that max up for me is abyss except 
I started it last night, but also maybe my plans of changing if Brad wants to do co-op. I mean, I'd be uh, out honestly. I fucking, I mean, I've been, the, the thing's been on my, burning my yeah. backlog JRPG library forever now. And yeah, I think I mean, it would be fun. And what, so it would be fun to experience one of these games for the first time via the co-op mode, because I don't feel like that's the thing a lot of people can say they've done for like these bigger, like Tales RPG stuff or whatever, even though that yeah. like, it's obviously unintended mode of play yeah. uh, and also realistically how many other times in my life am i going to get someone playing tales of the abyss for the first time that was also open to doing co-op so. yeah that, that was like my plan with you but also like us trying to do every game is gonna hurt uh, yeah but yeah if we can do abyss at least we can figure it out also it helps that i, I just started fun. it uh, yeah we can figure out the details but i can send you like the vod so you can know where i am and we can see about yeah because i'm it sounds like you got to the part where i am already so yeah fun. I still haven't passed where the furthest I've got, but you know, it's fine. We'll talk about Abyss later. Mm -hmm. Nice. But yeah, uh, all that aside, Tails, pretty cool from this one game. Uh, yeah. I understand why people want Lloyd Irving in Smash. <laughs> nice. Uh, he's, he's, he's a good protagonist. These are good characters. They're, it's... It's good when an RPG party is good. Nothing better than that. True. True. Join us for a year from now when Mel plays Super Mario RPG Remake and becomes a Geno person. Uh, listen. Mm -hmm. Namco at least still cares about Lloyd. <laughs> also, for anyone who's actually played that game, Mallow clears. Actually, he's a cloud, so he's not transparent. These fucking words mean. That's true. Super Mario RPG, fake game. Play a real RPG. Yeah, like Paper Mario. Yeah. Um. All right. Play a real Shin Megumi Tensei game. Sh yeah, play a real a real video game, like um. Uh, I'm. I can't think of a bad example off the top of my head. <laughs> um. Speaking of clear. Speaking of clear. Oh, the yes, the invisible <laughs> giant monster from outer space. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, Return of Ultraman, episode 19, is called... We're just going straight fucking in. No, just the worst segue. Let's go. The invisible giant monster from outer space. Um, uh, so now uh, I really enjoyed writing... Um, like when I was, I came back and I, I wrote this uh, summary and I was really, it was, I was having a great time imagining the, you know, that meme that's the, the guy typing really hard and then it cuts to the other guy, uh, singing, just having, just having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was how I was imagining, uh, your and my summaries. <laughs> I, was, I, I was because uh this is this is, yeah um <clears throat> the invisible giant monster from outer space jiro gets murked he calls matt to investigate a meteorite that fell near the school and goes like that's eh, just a meteorite and lets jiro keep it uh but it grows to massive size and releases an invisible kaiju that fucks up jiro the school and the class pet Pionta the rabbit. Jiro is sent to the hospital. Can I say? And Pionta oh, is just, sent I... to the grave. Rip Pionta. <laughs> yes, Brad. Oh. So I, 
This is maybe the most underselling of an episode summary I've ever gotten out of one of these books, just casually looking through them. The first sentence of this episode blurb. Jiro, who was looking after the school's rabbit with his friends during the summer vacation, discovered a meteorite. No. <laughs> no, you have to include that Jiro gets mucked. Yeah, to. like, discovered a meteorite is really, really downplaying what happens here. He discover, discovers a meteorite and then shit goes bad. Um, yeah. In the hospital, like fucking Uncle Ben going, kill them all, Peter. Jiro asks <laughs> Go to avenge Pionta. Um, Go promises that he believes Jiro about the whole invisible kaiju thing, uh, and he will take it down. First obstacle, Kishida does not buy the invisible kaiju thing. In fact, he still has not apologized to Jiro for not believing him about the last invisible kaiju that Jiro was right about. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The team discussed the situation. The meteorite expanded. Uh, What if the kaiju contained within was initially kept compact due to massive gravity, such as that of stars that can bend light? And perhaps this kaiju, too, is bending light for camouflage purposes. Uh, The team investigates a train crash, and Go is like, could have been an invisible kaiju, and Kishida doesn't buy it, forgetting what happened the last time he doubted that a train crash could have been caused by an invisible kaiju. Uh, Suddenly, the kaiju is just there, starts wrecking shit, and the team fights back, using an infrared camera to identify it. Uh, It's got an elephant trunk, and, like, really cursed wispy hair on its spine um the team does damage but the kaiju starts phasing through bullets and missiles and buildings and disappears uh matt lost and jiro watched it happen from the balcony of the hospital he falls into a more critical condition due to despair uh kishida theorizes the kaiju is doing something to do with uh neutrons um I don't this is the part where I say, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's talking uh, about, like, quantum shit, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, uh, my friend Pre, who's a big Ultraman fan, but also a physics teacher, said, oh, yeah, they definitely, like, confuse neutrons with neutrinos. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Which is funny. That's funny. Anyway, Go visits Jiro and is like, I couldn't kill the kaiju. It literally phases through damage. I... I Sorry, I broke my promise. There may be no way to beat this one, so I can't promise anything after all. And Ken sends the clip to scrub quotes and calls Dan a fucking loser. <laughs> this, uh, this is actually important stuff. He's talking to Go about how of, you have no hope of winning if you give up. And he uses yeah. a racing metaphor about how a moment of uncertainty will have you careening off the track. And to me, it's pretty clear he's talking about an accident he was in. Um, if only uh, someone could fix that for him. If only someone could just fix him. (laughs) Uh, Go hears this and resolves to defeat the kaiju no matter what. Uh, The operation gets underway and Matt have a net that should negate the whole phasing thing. Uh, They hit the kaiju with the net and Go turns into Ultraman and saves the day. Uh, He struggles a bit at first because a trunk is kind of just a tail for your face. Uh, But luckily he's Ultraman uh, so he can cheat and he uses telekinesis to explode the kaiju. Uh, Jiro dreams of flying through bubbles with Ultraman and wakes up uh, suddenly Don't we all? Su- of, all the time suddenly in a stable condition Go enters looking beat the fuck up and tells Jiro he's done it he's avenged Pionta everyone's happy 
the end uh translation i beat i beat the monster you don't need to be in the hospital anymore we've established this <laughs> yeah Wait, sorry, it sure sorry. Did have sorry. should we save the ongoing <laughs> weird ab like truly unhinged thing that this show has against doctors um like the idea of physical health um I felt weirdly targeted this season, let me just say. <laughs> Shall we leave it to the end of all three? Because we're not done with this subject yet. I think we should. Yet. Yeah, I think we should, because it keeps um, coming up. <laughs> I flip-flop a bit on how I feel about the scene in the middle there with uh, uh, Jiro and Ken. Yeah. Because so on one hand, it's, 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 it's really goofy, in a way, to just like have Matt lose, and then Jiro's like, uh, Matt, go, you're a loser and a liar because you're a scrub and you suck. <laughs> uh, and then go is just like, look, what do you want me to do? It's from space. It can turn invisible and shit. And I do, then... I do think it's extremely funny how he, uh, so with the context that you gave us of, oh, kids were asking for more space based kaiju. I absolutely love it. That when go is talking about how he got his ass kicked. He's like, it's from fucking space. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> Drawing further uh, attention to it. And then Ken agreeing with Jiro is also feels pretty goofy, but also there is the point to be made that he's like, well, listen, you're the monster attack team. You're supposed to attack monsters. You can't just quit because you lost. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, there's like, there's like, there's a, there's a, a weird thing here where it's like, you can absolutely attack, be on the monster attack team and attack the monster and try your best without saying I'm definitely going to beat the monster. Um, I there's like a um this sort of like uh there is like uh, a certain dismissal of any notion of having a realistic assessment of the situation. <laughs> yeah, th th to a degree, we would also not want we would not want a team of like someone like government body going in to deal with say like a hurricane or an earthquake or national disaster to downplay and be like hey things are going to be safer when they truly aren't like that sort of thing but i do at the same time i felt like ken's been a little bit underutilized so far especially as like that friend figure for go so i did like him getting his moment here to be like you are doubting yourself way too hard but yeah it is not clean cut i like it I like in terms it. of the quality i like it as a position but. for ken to take um yes i, I think uh once it, he like introduces this idea of like uh the re like you know the reason for his injury um is like that he accredits it to a moment of uncertainty um and uh i think that you know uh that's uh i think that's some good stuff for ken like, yeah i also think it helps that like it's jerwis's brother so mm -hmm. yeah um what, how, what now? Um, how are we feeling about this kaiju? I like this one, yeah. actually. I think it's ugly, but I like the fact it exists. Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I'm I just... like it myself, but also like I'm like, well, it's good to have designs like this. I'm yeah. a sucker for trunks. <laughs> like, I, give me like a big dumb elephant first, or like first a, a, a tapir person, but. Listen, he, he did you see him slash up uh, Mecha Frieza? It was so cool. Uh, you know what? No, because I never seen Dragon Ball in my life. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> what am I doing here? No, but uh, it's 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 good. Yeah. It's good when he does that. 
I so here's the thing also too. I was thinking about this because I was like, damn, I I actually really liked this kaiju design, and honestly, I kind of feel that way about all three of these. But I also did in the back of my mind, I'm like, am I giving this bonus points because of what we've seen in the rest of this show so far? Uh, that thought did not escape my brain. It's possible, but I do I do just think we've had like, you know, a, a real markup in just like cool guys. Just like cool yeah. monsters. Um, ever since the new guy came in, I I think he's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the third episode this week. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a standout for me as well. Uh, this was directed by Noboru Kaji and then written by Shozo Uehara. Okay, uh, makes sense. Don't worry. That does make sense. Um. um one thing I'll comment about the end of the episode, I feel like this show has done this a lot, but it is kind of awkward when, like, they start playing a track to end the mood, but then the episode ends, so they cut off the track early and just, like, really inelegantly <laughs> transition to the yeah. end of the episode as <laughs> jingle. That's oh, funny. I do also want to point this out. I, I was supposed to write this down that I forgot to, but um, we're going to play a little game here. So there's, oh. we've covered 21 episodes of the show. Yeah. How many... Give me a number. How many have been written by Shozo Uehara? 17. 15. Uh, Red said 17. Mal, what did you say? 15. 14. Ooh. Oh, damn. I won. 14 out of 21 episodes have been written by Shozo Uehara. That's as many episodes. That's damn. proportionally as many episodes as uh, Gabalga's and Blazer. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Uh, he. This is this is this is kind of his show. <laughs> yeah. Um, sec. Uh, what else is there, is there in this episode? So they they fucking manhandle that rabbit. I don't know if you're supposed to pick up rabbits by the ears like that. That yeah, that bothered me too. I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I was not expecting them to. I was not expecting Pionta to fucking die. Um, rip Pionta. Rip. Um. Uh. Yeah, I think the 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 doctor. Okay, now we no, we will save it because uh, yeah, yeah it. we we can talk about it all in one. But there's uh, there's some specifics here to the um to uh the health stuff that's uh slightly slightly different from its usual modus operandi. So uh you know we'll see uh. Do we have anything more about this episode? I don't really think so. No, it's kind of it's kind of, no. it's kind of standard. There's like that one. Yeah. There's like that one Ken Jiro scene, not Ken and Jiro, Ken Go scene, that uh is like where the meat is. Um, I thought this was just like perfectly serviceable and good kaiju design. Oh yeah, so K- Kishida, Kishida, Kishida. This is hating for no reason. This is this like unjustifiable hater energy you this is he's like uh oh, you really think this train crash could have been caused by an invisible kaiju it that happened a couple of weeks ago mate <laughs> i <laughs> uh do you really think do you really think jiro is telling the truth about an invisible kaiju yet do you remember last time <laughs> when jiro told the truth <laughs> about an invisible kaiju it's like oh, i don't know man i don't know man can't trust kids <laughs> 
Kishida hanging out with Jiro alone in the room. Is is the is the invisible kaiju in the room with us right now, Jiro? <laughs> Jiro's like, yes, yes, it is. It's there. It, it broke that wall, and Kishida's like, I uh, could have been, you know, structural fault. <laughs> As air pressure, kid, deal with it. Air pressure. Um. All right. Well, if we don't have anything else to say about episode nineteen, we can move on to episode twenty, which also has a terrible title. Um, the monster is a shooting star in space. Yeah, I could really use a wish right now. <laughs> <laughs> Planes are crashing at Kumazawa Dam, and the Earth's magnetism is going apocalyptic. Why? Because a kaiju called Magnodon erupted from a mountain in Kumazawa and is draining the magnetism from the Earth. Mats are deployed, and Go has an idea. Uh, let's just bomb it with normal bombs. Um, it's it's funny how he specifically says regular bombs. Yeah, he says, let's use yeah. regular bombs. And I'm like, is that a technical term? No, he means regular bombs. Um, it's got magma skin, so like it's hard, but brittle as fuck. And Kishida chimes in. Yeah, and he's, it, he, specifically, he says, if it's hard, that means it's brittle. Yeah. By definition. Um, Kishida chimes in like, ah, we won't even need to aim because Magnodon's magnetic. Uh, so they bomb. Please aim your bombs. <laughs> so, so they bomb, they bomb Magnodon, blow it to pieces, and then celebrate a job well done. It starts raining, and Principal hates Kishida is like, hey, it's, check it I, out, Kaiju Tears. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> For a minute, I thought there was going to be a Skydome episode, and it kind of is, but not in a funny way. Yeah. Also, um, before we get too far away from it, I just want to say I feel like we have we have absolutely established a ultra series writer shorthand of ah fuck I don't know how to start this one. Uh public transit plane ship blows up. Yes. <laughs> very very simple, very straightforward. Uh, Effective, honestly, admittedly. Comes so, up next episode too. <laughs> so, Magnadon isn't dead. I shock shocker. Uh, I mean yeah. that's, that's a different show and uses its magnetism right now. yeah uh, and uses its magnetism to put itself back together like the iron giant um, it starts causing problems again and Matt have to come up with a new idea uh, this time they'll melt Magneton with lasers Go takes responsibility for suggesting the bomb plan and shoots Magneton with a laser rifle but gets swatted by the tail Ultraman's one weakness uh, <laughs> Go winds up in the hospital uh, we'll, we know how this Don't goes. Don't worry, not for long. <laughs> uh, Jun 3 demands results from Matt or else they will be disbanded. Uh, the captain visits Go and he doesn't mention the whole disbanding thing, um, but Go manages to read between the lines and figures it out. Uh, I personally would not have registered a single word after the question, are your bones all right? Um, like, <laughs> what? My bones? <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, whatever Matt's final plan is, Go wants in. He simply discharges himself and Jiro tells a distraught Aki to relax. It's fine. After all, at times like this, women and children just get in the way. Uh, Jiro. <laughs> it's a it's a man's honor. It's a man's honor. He said something specifically, too, that's like a, uh, like a man's spirit, too, I, th I think was what i saw yeah. is um, oh my god yeah uh jiro what the fuck who's <laughs> been telling you this shit it's go it's go go has been telling him yeah. this shit um ultraman's been saying this too yeah ultraman's been say ultraman saying now you don't see any ultra women do you <laughs> uh damn matt are gonna run electricity from the dam through the kaiju hoping to either kill it or negate its magnetism uh 
the plan goes great until the cables finally melt and Magnadon puts a hole in the dam. Uh, Go arrives on the scene and turns into Ultraman. He has some issues getting caught in the horns on Magnadon's back, but luckily he's Ultraman, so he can cheat. Uh, he fixes the hole in the dam and then renders Magneton, Magneton inert with telekinesis before flying it away into space, away from the Earth's magnetic field, so he can finally destroy it. It explodes into little pieces and won't be able to stick itself back together. On Earth, Go returns to Aki and Jiro and is like, uh, sorry for the wait, I had to stop by the office on the way home. And then they watch... No, he did not stop by the office. <laughs> no. And then they watch the pieces of Magneton fall to Earth as like shooting stars. The end. And the, the narrator's like, only Go knows the truth that these are actually corpse parts of a kaiju. Just cry. <laughs> meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, at the map base, uh, everyone's like, where the fuck is Go? <laughs> yeah. uh, also, it should be noted, like, that fight scene shot in, like, a way that reminded me of that last Jisoji episode from uh, it, yeah. Ultra 7, the I believe. fight right? in space fucking rules. It's so cool. Love the yeah. setting where it's, like, aluminum fucking... <laughs> I, I, okay, my brain's breaking. Was that was that was it Ultraman or Ultra Seven where we got the weird surreal bird fight, like Birdman who was a piece of shit to that one guy? That's that's Seven. That's like uh, that's Seven. That's the last Yosoji episode, right? Yeah, it's Paralympia. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yes, 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 the, yes. The one where there's too much stars, and they just go, man, there's too many stars. This one doesn't go as far into the like weird and trippy stuff as that, but like it's cool. They they did a great job with this fight scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I I would say across the board, I think the the standard of uh, how these episodes choreography are, how these episodes are shot is just uh, a step up from previous. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, Ultra Seven goes hard, uh, but I think this shows like baseline is like surprising. I I think it's uh, it haven't it hasn't come up much because it's kind it's become like normal. Um, but these these episodes just look good a lot, um, a lot of the time. Um, it it feels like the industry has moved on and standards have changed between the decades. Yes, in a way too. Yes, like you you can feel like 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 Jisoji was produ- Jisoji, productions are becoming more professional. Jisoji was avant garde in the days of Ultraman, and now it's kind mm-hmm. now it's kind of like people are trying to emulate uh, uh, that style a lot more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's cool. Uh, the, um, yeah, the, the, the whole, uh, structure of this plot where it's like a, a bunch of different plans, Mel, you mentioned it's, it's kind of like a more serious Skydon. Yeah. Um. I want to make the connection now. It's basically because, like, I thought it was gonna be a Skydon episode just because the way they were partying. Uh, yeah, and then I thought it didn't go there, but then I think about it, it's kind of like that when I kind of now to it. Yeah, I th- I think um, now now that you mention it, it does it does read like a Skydon episode. Absolutely. Um, I don't. I think by not being as funny as Skydon, it's not. It's yeah. not. It's it's we're not on that level. We we're, we're not on yeah. the level of uh, trying to transform with a spoon. I'm sorry. It's a it's legendary. <laughs> um. I do like how the realization, like we, as long go going, I, I can't, I can't win because the Earth has magnetic poles, and then he goes, wait a minute, what if it's not on Earth? What if? And then he just fucking leaves with it. What if I simply brain. fly into space? Like Ueno uh, in in a meeting is like, well, if we could get it off Earth, that would be great. And Kishida's like, 
how the fuck would we get it off Earth? And Irina's like, it's just an idea. <laughs> but you don't have to be a hater about all the time. Like, I can't remember what episode it is. It might. It's either this one or the next one where someone's like, uh, like they send out Minami alone to go fly and do something. And I'm just like, that when's is, the last time that's happened? <laughs> that is, uh, that is next episode. Uh, where yeah, Minami, Minami gets sent on a completely pointless mission. <laughs> it's just like this. Feels like the actor like reached out to someone was like, "Can I? Can I fly the? Can, can, I, can my I guy get again? like a scene?" <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, that's next episode. Um, I guess production. Production. Actually, well, do we do we want to? Because we have a guy, kind of. Oh. Um, uh, not really. Not. I no. I I can't say that. That means something now. That oh, means yes. something now. That's, we're not it, quite uh, on that level. Um, no, no, no. The very very basic. But I guess I can get it. Uh, what is that um, to say about this episode outside of uh, hmm, hospital stuff? Outside of hospital stuff. <laughs> Um, uh, I do like, well, okay, this show likes to do the thing. I like that Go is flawed and, like, yes. feels the need to take responsibility when he fucks up. But also, too, I this is not the first time I feel like we've complained about this. He suggests a very regular plan, which is, let's attack the monster with regular ordinance, and it doesn't work. And he's like, God, I fucked up so hard. And it's like... I mean, honestly, I feel like most people in your position would actually do that same thing, and I feel like you're maybe being a little too hard on yourself. I think I, I, think, um, I, I think I like I think I like this. I think I like this bit about Go, where it's like like everyone else is like also enthusiastic about the regular bomb plan, um, and then it it goes forward and goes like, oh, I fucked up so bad," and everyone else is like, "What are you talk? What are you what? You, you like that Go's a cry typer? Yes. Yeah. He he does think between like overconfidence. As opposed to regular confidence. As opposed to regular uh, confidence. And uh, trying to overcompensate for, like, His any up, perceived yeah. failing. Any perceived See, failing. See, you know, this is interesting to me, because in my brain I've been turning this over as the people making this show want to make go flawed, but not too flawed that he can't still be viewed as the hero, but actually viewing this through the lens of oh, this is, like, actually a an interesting character flaw of he is way too hard on himself. And, like, yeah, I could see that now, actually. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. I do like that. It's um, a, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun one for a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, production. So, uh, Masanori Kake, who we've talked about before, did the directorial stuff. Uh, writer is a new person. Uh, Toshiro Ishido. Um, who... Uh, began his career co-writing movies with uh, Nagisa Oshima, who we've discussed before, uh, as being part of that, like, uh, new left Japanese cinema scene. Mm -hmm. um, and the two movies he wrote along with him include Graveyard of the Sun, which was, I believe, a, a pretty influential part of his filmography. And then also one we've talked about before, which is Night and Fog in Japan. Uh, you may remember this because it's the controversial movie he made that made him leave his original studio because right when it came out, it got pulled by theaters because a socialist party political figure was assassinated by a far right extreme mm -hmm. uh, extremist. Yes. Um, so he, he was the one who wrote that movie. Um, Shouldn't be surprising since since he's in the mix with Oshima. He's also good friends with Akio Jisoji. Uh, he wrote one or two episodes for Jisoji's show Silver Mask, which we've talked about a few times. 
um, and then also wrote the script for the first movie in his erotic Buddhist film trilogy, uh, This Transient Life, also known as Mujo. I will watch those someday. They have been... Okay, I have a coffee table in my apartment. That box has just been on my coffee table for like a month. And then when people come over, I need to put it away to make sure they don't see it. But... (laughs) um, uh, I keep putting it back out, and I'm like, one day I'll put this in my PS5. Um, oh, oh, don't mind that. Those are my um, <clears throat> my art films. <laughs> I have a podcast. It's normal. Um, <laughs> uh, after he was done working in film, it, it so this was worded weird, and I didn't put it in because I didn't want to like. But like it said, the the one summary thing that I read was like he parted ways with Oshima, and like. It, it sounded normal, like, they just stopped working together, but, like, I, it also left enough room in the wording to be, like, was there a falling out? I, I couldn't tell. Um, but I, I think they just went separate ways because they were done working together. I'm, I'm going to assume the normal route here. Because um, I feel like if there was, like, a big disagreement, it would otherwise have said that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they went separate ways. Uh, and he decided that he was going to take some time and write just a bunch of TV episodes here and there. And, uh, as part of that spree of TV writing, he worked on Return of Ultraman. So that's how he got here. Um, later on in life, he kind of slowed down, started to write less and less for TV. And then he got more involved with academia and film schools and like film writers organizations, uh, which is something we've seen with like a lot of the people we've covered is that, you know, later on in life, they want to give back to the younger generation and they're helping out for like scenario writers and screenwriters guilds and, and associations and stuff like that on a professional level, which is cool. Um, Last note, he got sick later on in life. Um, In 2008, he released a memoir, which is titled, and I quote, A Bigoted Old Man's Life on the Silver Screen. In it, he wrote, quote unquote, My writing career has ended with this book. All that remains is to meet Akio Jisoji and Shohei Imamura in the underworld. And then three years later, he died. God damn. (laughs) Holy fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and that's all I have on, uh, Ishido. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, I will say, if you're gonna write a memoir, a, bi- a bigoted old man's life on the silver screen is, uh, is a fucking name. A bigoted well, old man's life on... women. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Alright. That's a guy. Yeah. It's a strong way to wrap it up. Um... Do we have speaking of screens? Oh so, no! Uh, speaking of screens, I mean, the this episode is another kind of it's kind of standard. If it's uh, you know, there's not much like narrative to go into. Um, uh, the the coolest thing in it is, I mean, the kaiju is cool. I like the sort of backward spines. Um. Mm-hmm. But the best. I like the the shot where it. I think it uses its tail or it rams it with the. It, it either somehow it gets Ultraman on his back and then shocks him real good, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought that was fun. Yeah, uh, but like the the highlight is like the weird fight in space. Um, yes, which is uh, just fantastic. Um, and I I, I, oh, I like the yes, idea yes, too. It's I, like yes, oh, I have a I have a note. I, oh, go ahead. You go ahead before I mention. This. Oh, I was just. 
we, we've already talked about, so I won't stick to it. But, like, I like the idea that, like, as when they're fighting on the ground, all that fighting is pretty normally shot. But then it's like, oh, to highlight that we're somewhere alien and weird, we're going to suddenly go all out on the, you know, staging and, and choreography and how everything is shot. I, th- I thought that was, like, a nice contrast even that that Jisochi episode didn't necessarily do that was just you know what if I go ridiculously hard on a fairly normal narrative wise like fight scene and this was oh we're somewhere different now let's do something different to like really showcase how out there we are and I thought that was fun Mm -hmm. so in the background of the map base I finally noticed the map of the world that is under the the map logo um and the map of the world is, and, you know, I, I'm not necessarily uh, claiming that uh, the center of the Earth on most atlases uh, is warranted, as is. It would be hypocritical of me. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it's funny uh, that this map of the world uh, has Japan at the center. <laughs> yeah, you know. It is for a domestic audience. It is for it is for it is for a domestic audience. Um, I just... We need to we need to bring back the maps where uh, the uh, east is north for whatever reason. Oh, like the Mapa Mundi. I think that I think that's I think that was because that like north or like I I think the reasoning for that was like the, Jerusalem was at the top and then went down from there. I, I can't remember. Uh, there, there, there's that some stuff. famous medieval maps where Jerusalem is at the center of the world. And then you have uh, Europe, Africa and Asia are like like a triangle coming off it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, the one I'm thinking. Maps are interesting. The one I'm looking th- at. Car- the one I'm thinking of is the Mapa Mundi, uh, which is uh wild which i i got shown when i was doing like crusades history in a level ain't, ain't that the star wars guy mapamundi yadi <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big yep. brain one yep that's him that's him um yeah car- history of cartography interesting go look it up sometime like here, fun fun here is a, browse through history and how people view things a medieval map, map of the known world Oh, let's go. I assume that that black, just weird splodge in the middle is the Mediterranean. So, this is maybe unhinged, but my first my first thought is that I want to cut out the circle part and make, like, a really ridiculous novelty pizza pan out of it. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, <laughs> interesting. This is only one step removed from uh, American explaining things. Imagine a burger. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so true. Um, all right. Um, that is episode 20. Uh, let us move on to episode 21, The Monster Channel. This I can't a- believe I can't believe Subaraya Productions invented Candle Cove. The creepy pasta. Uh, somewhere. Unfortunately, in... I thought about Persona Four watching this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Our brains are broken in different ways. Somewhere in Japan at four a.m., uh, a girl wakes up to turn off the TV her dad left on, and instead of static, the TV shows a passenger jet. Uh, Minami and Go see the same thing on their TVs. Specifically, like Minami calls him late at night. 
Um, so go turn on your telly. Um, the camera seems to approach the plane and then the plane explodes. At about the same time, a passenger jet in real life fell out of contact and exploded. Reports of the footage appearing on TV are coming in from all over the world. It's up to Matt to investigate, but they have to be careful. It's possible um, that their efforts could be broadcast to an international civilian audience. Um, Ueno and Go head out in a Matt Hawk to the airspace where the incident occurred, and they meet a strange, spiny, flying kaiju with little vampire teeth and three glowing eyes that shoot a laser. The perfect kaiju, thank you. <laughs> it's also a weird seal. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Ueno and Go can't, uh, can't radio base anymore, and they engage the kaiju. Meanwhile, in Tokyo, in Edogawa... A boy is trying to contact his friend George via radio, but he can't get a signal. He has a radio licenser at 11. Yeah, he got a radio license at 11. His mother's romantic drama on TV is interrupted by footage of the Matt Hawk fighting the kaiju. Uh, the Matt Hawk is hit and Ueno and Go retreat and the romantic drama resumes. And she, oh, she, she loves it. She's like dreaming wistfully of another life. Um, the Matt named this kaiju Beacon. Uh, they conclude it must eat electrical signals and its body must function almost like a TV broadcast station. I would love a stupid fake science explanation for this, but we get none. <laughs> um, Tokyo will be a proper feast if Beacon ever heads there. Uh, so Go comes up with a drastic plan. Turn off everything in Tokyo and then broadcast a signal out at sea so that they can engage the kaiju where no one will get hurt. They put this plan into action, and it does not fucking work. Why? Because of the kid on his amateur radio going, Come in, George Kun. Uh, absent of any other nearby signal, Beacon heads straight for Edogawa, and Go has to rescue this kid before he's crushed to death. Uh, this kid has the heart of a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> kid, come on, Ultra Q. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Go gets caught in the collapsed building and transforms into Ultraman. Uh, he has a sunset battle with Beacon and seems to lose when Beacon manages to sink its teeth into Ultraman like a vampire and drain a bunch of energy. Uh, but Ultraman has a trick up his sleeve, a little attack from the bracelet he got from Ultra 7, and that drops Beacon and his job is done. Uh, elsewhere in Japan, the girl from earlier wakes up early once again, hoping to see something cool on the TV, and the narrator's like, nah, bro, Kaiju got killed. Go to bed. The end. Uh, this episode's cool. This episode's cool. Yeah. Yeah! Okay. I like this. This is probably my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, definitely my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's some of the most just, like, bullshit, but it's weird and cool and strange. I like it. Uh, directed by Masanori Kake and then written by Shinichi Ichikawa, who I think is in his uh, good mode because, again, oh, very... Ichikawa's the guy that's, uh, yeah, flip a coin. Hot and cold. <laughs> uh, just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Uh, nice. Well, this this episode, this episode's a good time. I like, I've already mentioned, love this kaiju. Fantastic kaiju. Uh, ridiculous guy. Um, the uh the whole like tv um like th there there are ultra q vibes to this um which is good always like it when the ultra q vibes return yeah
I don't. Uh, I, I I don't have like I think the kaiju design is really cool. I like how it flies and floats around. Um, we mentioned um, just Minami, a good design. Minami gets sent off on like that weird that that one mission, and he's just like sat in the plane, just like ah oh, yeah, I I get to I get to go out. <laughs> I get to go out on I get to sortie, and uh, then yeah. uh, Go has to call him like uh, Minami, you got to come back. The plan didn't fucking work. The plan didn't work. The plan didn't work at all. Um. Uh. I think it's funny, the episode starts about one child, and then it becomes about an entirely different child. Yes. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe that one kid didn't work out. Maybe she was a bad actor. <laughs> yeah, she just comes back at the end, as if to close the bookend, but it's also like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, we don't we don't revisit the Edogawa kid again, find out if, like, you know, him and his mum are okay. I, I maybe would have done that. A lot of houses get destroyed. A lot of them do. You know what they need? Kaiju insurance. Yeah. Yeah. God. That guy that guy um, would have a field day back then. Door to door sales are in. Uh, I also like how a recurring theme about of all three of these episodes is just people thinking Matt suck and saying it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone has so much doubt in Matt. Um Matt uh when Matt fucks up everyone you know someone is always watching and someone goes damn why the fuck do we even have them um yeah it's, it's really funny how kato's like listen we can't fuck up we can't have less public confidence <laughs> there are there are there are, so these are like the three core things at the heart of um of return of ultraman is one um uh capital is the enemy <laughs> And is and will ensure that any the whoever is like you know follow the money and you will find people that are willing to um, let a kaiju run rampant if it means profit. <laughs> um, the other the second thing is Japan doubts Matt. Matt has not earned does not have one hundred percent trust like the Science Patrol did or the Ultra Guard did. Um, we are in an era of of doubt. Uh, yeah. And the third thing, uh, which isn't about episode 21, but uh, I, I guess we should talk about it now, is um, the third thing, the third thing that Return of Ultraman loves is uh, people just getting out of their hospital bed because uh, their character arc for the episode's done. Yeah. <laughs> they love it. They love that shit. Yeah, like, it's it's weird how, like, it'd be one thing if every now and again it's like, oh, this show treats, like, the whole, like, injury and disability thing kind of, it's, it's like every other episode, it's really frequent. It's like, we, like uh, we, we mentioned it as, like, a recurring thing, and then it came back another week, and we were like, ah, it's weird that they keep doing this, and now it's back again, it's like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Are you guys, you guys on one? What's happening? <laughs> I feel like I'd meet, like, the writing team for this show, and they'd be like, I hope you get over your bullshit soon. And I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> Shows like we are. It's gonna... God. Um, yeah. I still like the theory that the reason that my mobility did get better later in life is because I didn't know it, but my Persona 4 Shadow Kaiju did get defeated. Yeah, off-screen. yeah. Some, some, some <laughs> kids uh, threw themselves into a TV. And uh, yeah. th- these kids from this had the Edogawa kid and um, uh, the little girl. 
but yeah, the circling back to episode nineteen, uh, there's some there's there's different spin here, which is where they just verbally say, and I think, I think what has happened is this is my guess, is that the people making this show, someone heard about, uh like psychological uh injury like injuries like like psychological illness like illnesses that are not like thing like things wrong with your body uh but rather are like kind of exacerbated by like psychological issues um and mm -hmm. i think they've heard of this idea and they've gone oh that's cool <laughs> and have just done repeated this over and over again or something i mean i mean on the one hand no that can't be the case but um they mention it verbally here where they're like you know sometimes kids they they act up their illnesses for the it's a psychological thing they act up their illnesses to get attention uh and you know it's, it's very serious business he could die from it um and uh This is this is like slightly different from the next episode, which is Go is just like like he's been burned because he got hit by the tail of like a magma monster, and they're like, "I full body contusions is rough. You should still be in bed." And he's like, "No, I have to go." And Aki's like, "No." He's like, "No, I'm the protagonist." No, no, you you're not going. And Jiro's like, "Shut up, woman." I <laughs> Uh, I think there was an, I think there was an episode earlier on where Jiro tells Aki to make his dinner. <laughs> oh no, Jiro! Jiro's going down a dark path. Uh, you know what? You know what? Ken's the problem. Ken's the pro Ken probably Ken probably passed this on to Jiro. Yeah. And uh, Ken 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 showed Jiro Rocky. Wait, no, the timeline doesn't match up for Rocky. I don't think. Um, Damn, never mind. I was I was gonna make a joke that Ken showed Jiro Rocky and was like, "This is the ideal relationship." Ken's just getting away with it uh, because he do, he's yeah. not doing it while the cameras are on. Um. So, yeah, the, this show continues with its weird aggression against the idea of being in the hospital <laughs> <laughs> and women. And women, and women. Being in the hospital so and women. Sexism, uh, ableism. Uh... Yeah, we haven't hit racism, but... Um... But pro-dinosaur. Pro-dinosaur. Well, that's Tales of Symphonia. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see, I see. Um... Um, still better than Ultraman 66. Still better than Ultraman 66. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, difficult to be worse. Um, you really have to go to great effort to be worse. Um, but it's just, I, I assume this weird fixation on hospital, on just being fine will continue. Um, <laughs> we will be, we will Honestly, be Honestly, at this it point, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I hope it shows up every session. It, it, it has become a staple of this show. Uh, it will be one of the primary things I remember about it. Um, when we're done, uh, is that 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 kid just lost his limp when the kaiju got destroyed? Go just prat like train. He he had an injured leg, 
and what he did to fix it was he carried logs up mountains um and uh uh you know all sorts of shit um but um i i guess returning to episode 21 do we have anything more to say cuz it's you know I think you know. It, I I I know we talked like it, you know it's kind of going back to like that ultra Q vibe, but yeah, I I did think like oh this this kind of has like the air of like a spooky little horror anthology mystery to it that mm-hmm. I feel like has otherwise kind of been missing from Return of Ultraman, even comparison to like you know Ultra Seven went hard on like the sci-fi angle or whatever, but like it's sprinkled here and there, you could still see some remnants of like Q stuff, and uh, I feel like Return of Ultraman like hasn't really. Like, there's not really been all that much to, like, the horror stuff, and I feel like part of that is because the kaiju we've been getting has been a lot less alien and more, like, dinosaurian, like, you know, in nature, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So to get one that kind of played with that was was very nice and, and did feel refreshing. So I hope I hope they sprinkle in a few more of these uh, types of episodes uh, later into the run, as uh, we are rapidly approaching the second half, weirdly enough. Yeah. We're 21 deep. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. Can I say like it? Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like it feels like we're still so early on to me. It's weird. Not like a bad way, but just like I feel like we just got here, <laughs> but we've already covered twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been quick. Uh, we go at a good pace. Yeah, we do. Three yeah. three a week gets us through it. I would mm-hmm. die at two a week. Two yes. Same. We would still be in. Would we be in early Ultra Seven or like late Ultra Man? We'd probably be er- we'd probably be early Ultra Seven, I think. Early Ultra Seven, yeah, that sounds Holy right. Holy shit! Um, we would not know the glory awaiting us of uh, Dinosaur Tank. We would not know that no. Toru Narita got so mad <laughs> about having to put a dinosaur on a tank that he quit. Um. I love, this is my it's my favorite trivia about Ultra Ultra about the Ultra series. It is pretty funny. What a god, my guy is a it's a show for <laughs> children. You're fine. I I my I think my favorite piece of trivia I learned is still the fact that um one of the kids from the uh fucking uh M1 episode was just like this is the coolest thing I've ever done in my um, young King, life. I uh my entire life is going to be tokusatsu film stuff now. <laughs> yeah. That's honestly very wholesome. <laughs> uh, Sick. All right. Uh, it sounds like we're done talking about uh, episodes of Ultra, Ultra, Return of Ultraman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, color timers. Color timers. Color timers. So, episode 19. Two minutes, ten seconds. Okay. Episode okay. 20. Two minutes, 33 seconds. Okay. Okay. Episode 21, two minutes, 51 seconds. Ooh. Nice. Good, nice. Good week. Kind of close, week. but we're doing it. Uh, keeping, keeping, keeping them honest. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Do we... Uh, oh, I know we yes. have an email. Yeah. The second half of the yeah. email. Yes. Hello, Cydrexa. We're back. <laughs> uh, yeah. She said, so return stuff this week. First off. Red. All right. 
We're scraping at 3 o'clock behind Tesco's. I will prove to you the actual P is better than Tasukai once and for all. I will... I will... I will be that. I will be that. Uh, he says he doesn't have a lot to interesting say at this point, because the interesting stuff uh, that he can talk about doesn't happen until, like, the 30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing he That's said he's surprised and I was picked up me next month. Uh, one thing I'm surprised and I picked up on yet uh, or said aloud is how Hideki Hideki Go is played by the late Jiro Dan and the character of Jiro Sakata is played by Hideki Kawaguchi. Uh, I think that's oh. neat. That's neat. That's fun. Yeah. It may not be so apparent now, but Seven showing up last week is not only a first taste of the whole Ultraman crossover thing, but will also be the start of you seeing how connects a while Seven is by far and away the most popular character as well reflected in future stuff. Wait, so seven, her, seven, as, seven is the most popular? I guess in this era. Hell yeah. They're fucking right. In, in terms <laughs> of right. the whole, well, isn't Seven is your continuity thing? By this point, Super Eye is just, just fuck it and folded Seven back in the Ultra Q with 66 continuity. Which is a better decision in the long run, but yeah, everything so far you've seen, except Ultra Fight and Red Band, is part of the main timeline now. Okay, I assume there was a bunch of side stuff, like, like I don't know, manga or I don't, I don't know what the situation is actually. Do you mean the the four return of Ultraman manga? Oh, concurrent. Yes, <laughs> I guess yes. There probably were a bunch of manga, though. Yeah, with, I, don't, um, I don't know what the yeah. I don't know the deal with the manga. Uh, that's a deep dive. We'll have to, I'll have to look at. All right. Well. That's, um, I don't know as much about the print media stuff. Uh, people uh, at the time were right. Ultra 7 uh, is the best. It is. Um, yeah. They say not as much else to say this time other than their hands hurt because they did write the entire lengthy part of a blazer <laughs> in our blazer episode. Yeah. Um, Goes into our last blazer episode, assuming you've watched all of blazer. Which yes. Which you can go do now. For free on YouTube. The show is done. It is, yeah. It's good. Mostly. There's, you know, his family could be in it occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Him and his uh, four children that swap out whenever uh, he meets uh, he meets his son again. Uh, this is like this is like deep skipping the cue stuff. Yeah. <laughs> she was about to say, I love I love how committed you are to this bit. Now it's very good. <laughs> That's what it's what happened. I I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and edit the credits to in, to include like three <laughs> other different names <laughs> under, Just make under up the people. actor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, uh, if that's us done, that's a podcast. Well, you know what? I want to raise something else. Oh, go ahead. We've been at this a year. Yes. Yeah. So we should maybe we could like just muse a bit about the past year. Not like a like a deep dive or anything, but just you know, just think about it. It's been good. It's been a good yeah. year. Um I I have often thought about like uh how quick uh, how quickly we kind of got into a rhythm. I like I think so I think a couple of those earlier early episodes are a little rough, but uh I think I think mostly we just done just done good shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, my biggest regret is fucking up the audio recording where I got to have Lol. Red's live reaction to the ending of Little Jetman. Lol. Uh, uh, the ending of Jetman's fucking wild. 
I just remember like saying it, and you're like, "Why did they do that? <laughs> Why did they do that? Why did they do that?" <laughs> Bizarre. Um, yeah, I think uh, um, there was like a, a weird gap where I my I need to get my PC fixed. Um, uh, but uh, I you know I think we just did a did a pretty good job. Yeah, plus yeah. we're like halfway through the show now, so yeah, it's fine. We bounce back. Yeah, I, 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 I'm also feeling way more normal about editing most of the time. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes, sometimes I come into the chat and I'm like, ah, uh, maybe I'm terrible at this. I, but like, uh, I bounce back. It's fine. I mean, I think we all do that about our parts of our the thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've all had those moments, which is again just a normal part of making anything online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes so. when I'm like saying a thing about like a in the intro section, I'll finish the episode and go. Did I just sound incoherent saying that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. There's like people that listen to us, and honestly, that's all I could ask for. At the end yeah, of the thank you all for listening to us. First yeah. year of the show. Four seasons in, which is kind of wild that we managed to go at such a clip pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're getting shit. We're getting shit done. Three yeah. three episodes a re- week really was uh, like I can't. I don't. I don't remember who mentioned it first. I don't. But I. I think. I think it's because literally I was like, that's what we did for the common rider thing that me and Fake still need to get fucking back to, and I was like, that felt perfect. It was, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, think I, was, I think I said like two to four is like the ideal and. Since we're not like doing backup shows, then it makes sense to do three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it it was th- three was definitely the magic number. Uh, thank you, to whoever what whoever made that song. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I just I just Next... had a good time. Yeah, it's been it's been good. I'm proud of the work we've done. Same. Mm. Um. I'm 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 pr- I'm proud that we I'm I'm proud of us managing to be uh you know <laughs> I one of one of like the the weirdest like moments of of me being like that was good that was good was um us managing to be normal about Ishiro Honda because every time I look into this online it's always in the context of being like fans of Godzilla and I'm like this doesn't fucking matter yeah. this does this is irrelevant. Yeah. You know, yeah, that I think that was a highlight of us covering like also too like this. This is a thing that like on the English side of the Internet, like it it does feel like a lot of this stuff gets covered not a ton. And when it is, it's enthusiast circles that tend to run really like they're deep in the hole like and we're coming from this of a place of ver- like variety of experience. And also we have other interests outside of this, like both in terms of other fiction and also real world concerns that I do think we, we have our angle to approaching this stuff that I think the people who listen to the show appreciate um, in terms of what we're interested in, what we're willing to cover versus what I think your typical, per- your typical group of people online that are starting a tokusatsu slash kaiju podcast, probably not interested in the same things that us as a group of friends are probably. Yeah. Interested and in, I, right? I, I feel like I appreciate the very specific readings and interpretations and also by constant weird jokes that we've come up with just like yeah, yeah we we're definitely p- people jumping <laughs> i think 
the idea of someone jumping into this podcast like like later is would is really interesting to me in terms of like 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 us, we sound unhinged. Us, yeah, I bet. us talking about like <laughs> how evil Ultraman is and them just being like, <laughs> "What the fuck are you talking about?" Or how about? Or I, I feel I, I can't imagine someone who's like joining for a turn baz and listen to our original Ultraman season sounds when you just bring up E Day. E Day is so important. <laughs> He's so important. He is vital to our reading it's, of this it's show. It's vital that E Day is out there, like like that guy, like Schwartzwald in the Big O. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also while we're on the topic, I'm also very. I think we had a. Exceptional discussion of that non-malt episode, yeah. and something that I, I don't think you would get from a lot of other podcasts. Yeah, I think that's like one of the standout episodes. I think it's the it's one of the episodes that go back to my head all the time. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of the things that we're like, I think it's like an episode I haven't seen people talk about ever, and I feel like uh, if you listen to our discussion of the episode, it frames a lot of how we read these shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it says a lot that we're like. We are like, oh yeah, this makes perfect sense as like a logical extension of what the shows are doing, whereas yeah, opposed to like finding, some people yeah. who go, well, that's weirdly out of character. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and like this is a lot of this has been a lot of me thinking about Blazer versus Seven and Man and Return, and and just thinking about us closing that gap in between and like what i've kind of thought about a lot the past few months is like i i went into this having i mean we we all covered our tokusatsu history and what we have and haven't seen and all that stuff or whatever and like i've seen tokusatsu stuff before and have enjoyed it and appreciated it i don't know if i could call myself a tokusatsu fan I think I'm a kaiju fan. I don't know if I'm a tokusatsu fan. And I, I I, think I like it enough to be able to do a project like this week to week and not get bored or burnt out. But also, too, like, I don't think I'm entirely sold on the genre and come to it from a place of, I don't want to say skepticism, but a place of, like, not immediate interest. Like, if, if I was alone out in the world and wanted to spend my free time enjoying a piece of fiction, I'm more likely than not, nine times out of ten, not going to pick up a tokusatsu thing. That's just not where my brain goes. So I kind of have been appreciating being able to look at this stuff that, like, I just don't have a ton of personal history in or even vested interest in, and just being able to flex the critical part of my brain. Uh, and and think about how these types of stories handle storytelling. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me from that angle as well. Yeah, and I'm definitely like more of a Toku fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also have, like been thinking like, just, partly because of my own history, but also just like I think because of the nature of what this franchise is, I feel like I'm getting more out of it doing a podcast about it than I would have about other franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I've seen most of. Heisei Ultra, Heisei Kamen Rider, and I guess that's true of like a lot of Heisei Ultraman too. But I also feel like I wouldn't want to necessarily do a Kamen Rider podcast, and I guess like Brad doing Kamen Rider podcast also <laughs> means I don't feel like I don't need to. Uh, yeah, I, also I'm well, like, let me tell you, we're we're covering that first show and then we're fucking finishing because life has not wanted us to do that podcast. Kamen yeah. <laughs> Rider, Kamen Rider Kuga podcast. Yes, good. Turn off the podcast every week. <laughs> yeah. Um. But also just like. Would I do a Sentai podcast? I doubt it. <laughs> like I think, I think just like mm-hmm. the 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 nature of Ultraman, I think lends it well to like the nature of like the meta nature of the franchise. I think lends it well to being like a more interesting Listen, thing to think about. 
your first mistake. The Sentai fans aren't out here doing podcasts. Those are the ham radio people. <laughs> <laughs> they got their little groups. Yeah. The the thing that I've um, uh the the thing that I like about uh getting into new new things, new scenes is like uh the acquisition of guys. Um we we have built up a real cast of people. Um like, you know, the first couple of times Tetsuo Kinjo showed up, I did not recognize his name. I was like, oh, Tetsuo Kinjo, yeah. who's he again? Um, but, you know, by the, by the time we got like, oh, this is the last episode he writes for, Ult- for Ultraman, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> yeah, we should, we, we, still, we still need to do the, like, the where is he now thing, I think, at some point. But Yeah. Um, and, uh, we'll you know, Jisoji, obviously, King of Kings. Um yeah i should say i feel like i just this was important for me as a fan of just like japanese video games anime film like beyond stuff too so central (laughs) so many people intersected with it that were influential to that scene and more specifically to my immediate interest which is that big that that big bulge you get in like the 60s and 70s of like people that were heavily involved with like the new left student movements and stuff Nothing like you know pro- all trans big bulge <laughs> god damn it um but like that group of that that group of like activist people that were very put like politically charged and interested in like you know protesting security treaty stuff and like that base being you know implemented and, and all that stuff or whatever because the people that were involved with that trickle down to fucking everything that i'm interested in like gundam other mecha stuff just animate like so so many people come out of that yeah. like general cultural movement and and being able to learn more about it from the ultraman side of things was also very useful for me personally yeah, and i feel like I, I started like liking the podcast we were doing even more when we started actually doing the production history stuff in like the ultraman season like i I did the for all I did like the production history like at the start of the series, but we didn't talk about the episode directors themselves until the ultimate season. I feel like talking about the people who worked on it and like the historical context uh, brought a lot more to make the shows interesting to think about and talk. It about. helps that so many of them are so fucking weird too. <laughs> yeah, we got a fucking like, gallery of freaks. I like how you. I like how you <laughs> yeah. spent you spent like an hour on Shoji Otomo kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's, actually, it's, it was, actually, it was like two guys. It showed you a time once about the guy. I forget specifically. This is the name yeah. after this episode. Um, uh, it. So I, I didn't expect to talk about fucking Amshin Rikyo a week or two ago for <laughs> fucking as long as I did. But that that like like that's the other thing too. When you look up that guy in relation to Ultraman, nobody's talking about that side of his stuff. Like I had to go to like, you know translated versions of like japanese stuff to to get like oh this guy is known for two things and i'm like oh what's the second thing nobody talks about that on like you know english side of the internet and it turns out it's a whole it's a whole thing (laughs) uh so yeah uh the at the very least i hope i hope ultra people that find us and like you know are like oh these it's funny these people have like no idea what they're talking about and haven't seen a bunch of the stuff they're going through for the first time can at least appreciate the deep dives into like you know the people making the stuff and and the connections we've made with how they intersect with others yeah and enjoy our heterodox but also very correct takes <laughs> yeah uh what are we saying red <laughs> the other the other thing of significant about uh this is i think the only uh thing 
that is as world shaking uh, as like reality breaking as me finding out it's possible to not know what Thunderbirds is was what the curse that happened to Brad the moment Thunderbirds was mentioned <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> it fucking everywhere. What the fuck? <laughs> it's important. It's a big deal. I it didn't is. know anyone could not know about it. And then it turns Apparently, out, no, yeah, it um, can. Because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a British thing. Apparently, I was about to say, I think, I think you just needed to be more Americans. Uh, Apparently the Japanese wiki page for tokusatsu lists Doctor Who and Thunderbirds and other Jerry and yeah. stuff as Toku. Fuck yeah. I mean, it belongs there, honestly. Yeah, I mean, tokusatsu just means special effects. So. Let me tell you, though. Ain't nobody in my fucking life ever gonna convince me to give Doctor Who. Nah, you're I, good. I, you're too good. many. Don't worry. Too many. Too many weird and awful people in my life tied up in being big Doctor Who heads. <laughs> I, I, I forsaken it. I just, I just want to be able to handle the fact that a bunch of episodes just don't exist. I, I'm okay. I cannot talk about this because people involved probably don't want me getting too much into it. There is, there is a Dalek emote incident in the chapters of my group of friends no. that caused drama. No, what? what? Okay. I I cannot get into it. Okay. okay. I'll, I, you know, I'll explain to you off mic, but in public they probably won't want to um, talk about it. The so. fucking, <laughs> um, yeah, Do- Doctor Who is uh, not worth it. Don't do it. Um, absolutely, absolutely not. I'm giving, I'm giving you the, I'm giving you the permission. It's like signed permission. See you the the thing, the thing that. All. The thing that I allowed myself to mental gymnastics my way out of it was that some of those early episodes are lost. And as the context enjoyer, I'm like, well, now what's the point if I can't go to the old stuff and it's not all there? That's how I got out I of see. it in my head. I see. Um, Thunderbirds, though. No fucking excuse. I know. I, <laughs> I, I Actually, one of my favorite fucking podcast moments is me earnestly asking is lady penelope their mom and you fucking losing your goddamn mind <laughs> uh fun times is she their mom yeah. no no <laughs> no she's lady penelope well this well well the listeners at home this was your brucey bonus this yep. this <laughs> podcast yep. yeah i, I do yep, that right that was a correct usage yeah. Well done. Oh uh, yeah. I've learned a lot about the British actually this podcast. I, I know what a <laughs> an MB. Whatever the fuck of the British <laughs> an yeah, MB, yeah. An OB. <laughs> a CB commander <laughs> of the British Empire. Uh, uh but yeah. yeah. We did a year. We did a year. Congrats. We did. Thank you all year. for listening and enjoying us. Yeah. Um stick We've around. Got big plans for your heads, like watching Rochman. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Plan, plan, I, plan I, is still I, to continue watching <laughs> the show. Yeah, not you, listen. We're consistent, if anything else. Yeah, so. it's nice we're consistent. All right. Well, I think that was a podcast. It's two hours. Jesus Christ, yeah, two hours. Call it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's eight fifteen. Uh, yeah, the blazer was long this week. <laughs> it was. It was okay because it was the last one. That's fine. I had. I had a big lunch. We're good. All right. I haven't eaten yet today. I need. I. I need to stop doing this yeah, to myself. This is like. <laughs> every, I feel like every other podcast now. I'm going into this like, hey, I'll be fine. I can eat after, and then I'm like starving to death. About what by the time we're done, I need to. I need to fucking eat before these more. Um, all right.
that is a podcast. Uh, we will see you next week for three more episodes of Return of Ultraman. Um, until then, oh, yeah, also, no more Blazer for a while. Yeah. So uh, the movies, movies coming out yeah. in a month. Uh, but after oh, that, oh, I'll be gone next week. Uh, by the way, too, because oh, yeah, I'm going to be that. at Frosty Faustine. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll do we're production. Bringing, I'll, I'll send Ryzen my... back. Yeah, true. We're bringing Ryzen. One of you needs to do your best impression oh. of me. Uh, and do the whole episode now. Uh, I'm not putting on an Whatever. accent, so it's Mel's job. <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm just broadly implying that Canadian accents and American accents are exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bo- both of you one day will give me your best uh, Midwestern accents. Oh, no. I give you permission. Oh, like, no. I'll be honest, I feel like I've started noticing your Midwestern accent more as <laughs> time has gone on. <laughs> Is it when I say bag, Mel? Is it when I say bag? <laughs> it's definitely that. <laughs> no, it's more when you say stuff like time. Time? Yeah, I don't know. Some words say that more than others. Mm. Fascinating. Yeah. All right. Uh, bye for now. See you in a week. Did we do Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, if you want to follow the show, <laughs> you can do so at ultra <laughs> underscore Q. That is at ultra underscore Q. We've been doing U-E. this a year. U-E. Uh, shut up. <laughs> Um, I am also on Twitter at gender underscore redacted Mal uh, I'm at Dear Crowns on Twitter and Blue Sky we got an email ultracupod at gmail.com we got a coffee ultracu fund uh, you can follow us on either YouTube or on the there's an audio feed uh, that's you know Spotify for podcasts it's also on like other places you get podcasts you're probably listening to this that way uh, Brad Eagle uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at B Invoked. That's B-E underscore Invoked. You can find my YouTube channel, uh, Cannabis Invoked. I still need to get that fucking video out uh, talking about my name change. That kind of just became a screed about where I'm at in terms of how I feel about making things on the internet and just a meditation on that that I hope to get out. Uh, it's been fun to noodle in my brain as I consider where I'm at with creating things online. Um, so hopefully maybe look forward to that. I don't fucking know if that's coming out. I'm going to be spending most of my next week hanging out with friends in Illinois at a fighting game tournament and uh, probably getting my ass kicked because I did not fucking practice. So. Damn. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, that is an episode. Uh, see you in a week. Goodbye for real this time, unless we've forgotten anything. Last last check. No, we're good. We're good. See Not ya. Good. No. See ya, gang. Goodbye. Video <laughs>
十字を組んで狙った敵は必殺技の贈り物大地を飛んでキック一発近くに寄ってウルトラチョップ凶悪怪獣倒すため帰ってきたぞ帰ってきたぞ帰ってきたぞウルトラマンウルトラマンウルトラマひとつかがやくぼくのほしとくはなれてちきゅうにひとりあれがあれがふるさとだせいぎとへいわを守るため帰ってきたぞ帰ってきたぞ帰ってきたぞウルトラマンウルトラマンウルトラマンウルトラマンウルトラマンウルトラマン